Well, good morning, church. It's so great to be with you all this morning as we celebrate the last Sunday of 2020. Whether you're watching online or if you're in a room right now, why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, we made it. We made it. We made it to the last Sunday of the year. Is anyone excited that this is the last Sunday of 2020? Yeah, myself included. Uh, it's been a crazy year, but it really is an honor and a privilege to be with you as we wrap up this year together. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Gerald Fatiomi. Uh, some people around here call me your crazy black uncle from Atlanta. And so it's so great to be with you uh, as we kind of put a, a bow on the year that we've spent together, this crazy year that we call 2020. Now, one of the things that my wife and I do in our family, um, we've actually done every year since we've been married, is we spend every New Year's Eve in a cabin somewhere, uh, and we have a journal. It's a journal that we've used every year of our marriage, and in it are five or six different categories that we sit down at the end of the year, and we just have a conversation about these categories. How have we done with our friendships? How have we done with our relationship with each other? How have we done with family? Uh, how have we done with our finances, and what new goals do we want to set for the last year, and, and what things did we do well this year? And, and this year, when we sit down and do this, for the first time, we'll talk about kids and how we parented, and, and what things did we do well in 2020, and what things would we like to do differently as we look forward to 2021. See, basically what we do every year is we do an in and an out list, things that we want to keep out of the next year, and things that we want to bring in to the next year. And so I figured as we wrap up the year, rather than preaching a sermon the way that I normally would and, you know, I get a little bit rowdy and fired up, rather than doing that, I figured I would, I would just sit and we'd have a conversation together that we'd kind of build an out list and an in list uh, for the year 2021. Uh, if you're a, a note taker, I don't know that I would call this a sermon, but if you want to title this conversation that we're having together today, you could title this. I'm out. And if you're not a note taker, you should be one because note takers are history makers and you will forget everything that I say, but you can go back and you can read through this and let this be a guide for you. Let this be a guide for you as you and your family plan this next year, as you evaluate what are the things we need to leave out and what are the things we need to bring in to the next year. So this message is called I'm out. I'd love to pray for you. We'll jump in. Uh, Father, thank you so much for these moments that we share. Thank you that they're yours and uh, as crazy as this year has been, this has been your year, and you have a plan for it. And for some of us, we can already see that. We can see how you've been using the craziness of this year to build our character, to build our strength, to build our endurance, to build our family. Um, but for others of us, we're still wrestling with how uh, this year has affected us and what your plan is for this year. Wherever we are, though, this morning, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would make it abundantly clear how you would like us to move forward in the year to come, uh, and that you would show us how to better follow you. So be with us now. Do what only you can do. Speak to us and let us hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so my friends and I have this, this phrase that we say to each other all the time. It's the name of this message, I'm out. Uh, and it's kind of like a, a way for us to either end a conversation or end a train of thought. If we're, we're talking to each other on the phone and someone says something that's out of bounds, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm out, I'm out, stop. We're not going any further. I'm done. Like, I'm out on this conversation. I'm out on you. I'm out on your behavior. Like, I'm just out. Uh, this year has been a crazy year. And if I could just be honest, like, I'm out on 2020. Anyone else in the room out on 2020 this year? Yeah, I I'm out on 2020. But that's not the only thing that I'm out on. So I, I figured I'd just write a list. What are the things that, that Gerald is out on in 2020? Uh, I'm out on Atlanta sports. Definitely out on Atlanta sports. They, you know, put us on this roller coaster where we think it's going to be the best year ever. And then we get the Falcons or the Braves 
or Atlanta United or the Thrashers. They're not even there anymore, but I'm out on them because they just, you know, failed us as well. Uh, I'm out on Christmas movies. Anyone else just out on Christmas movies? Yeah, I'm not out on, like, the good ones like Elf, you know, or, like, A Christmas Story. Like, those can stick around and stay forever. I'm talking about the, like, Hallmark, uh, Lifetime Christmas movies that all have the same storyline where the two people hate each other at the beginning of the movie, and before you know it, there's this, like, magical Christmas moment, and now they're in love, and they're getting married, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so predictable. Like, I am out on those movies. Unfortunately, I have to watch a lot of them because of my wife. Uh, I'm out on coronavirus. I'm out on waking up one day and it seems like things are getting better and then you wake up the next day and things are getting worse. I'm out on one news report saying that you should wear a mask, on another one saying that you shouldn't wear a mask, and another one saying you should wear a mask but you're not wearing it the right way. I'm out on one day feeling like I'm completely safe and the next day feeling like if I even breathe air, everything's going to fall apart. I'm out on corona. Uh, But if I could be honest, there's some probably more heavier topics of things that I'm out on. Like I'm out on the racial division that we've experienced this year. I'm out on people not being able to see each other for people. I'm out on dealing with the same conversation that we've been dealing with for decades, for hundreds of years in this country. I'm out on on not being able to treat each other like brothers and sisters and being divided simply by the color of our skin. I'm out on politics. I'm out on one side thinking that they're always right and the other side thinking that they're always right and nobody can admit when they're wrong. I'm out on going on Facebook and and seeing people hate each other simply based on what party they identify with. I'm out on people using social media to act like their life is perfect when really we all know that everything's falling apart. I'm out on people pretending to, to have it all together when things aren't going as well as they try to make it out to be. I'm out on people hating each other for no reason. It seems like everyone's just walking around on eggshells, looking for a reason to be offended, looking for a reason to be mad, looking for a reason to to have tension in a relationship, and I'm just out on that. I'm out on sexism in a world that says that my daughters don't have the equal right or equal opportunity as men in our country. I'm out on on women thinking that they can't be the best that they can be and use their God-given gifts and abilities and talents to get ahead in this world and feeling like they have to work harder than someone of a different gender. I'm out on unnecessary drama that's happening in families and friendships, fighting for no reason at all. I'm out on people blowing up their marriages, blowing up their careers, people that you look up to, people that you would respect, people that you would, would think would have more, more moral integrity, making decisions to, to ruin their family's finances or ruin their, their marriage because they're in a relationship with somebody else. I'm just out on looking around the world and seeing how broken it is, how messed up it is, how hurtful we are to one another. I am out on 2020, but can I tell you more than any of that what I'm really out on? Like all of those things frustrate me, but can I tell you the thing that really makes my blood boil, the thing that I'm out on more than anything else? It's this. I'm out on a version of Christianity that looks like the rest of the world when we've been called to something greater. I'm out on Christians looking like culture when we have been called to something greater. I'm out on cultural Christianity. You know the the Christianity that you're an American before you're a Christian? I'm out on that. Where your country takes priority over your God. 
I'm out on, on political Christianity where, where one party has the rights to this truth that God cares about and the other party has the rights to a different truth that God cares about and each party thinks that God is on their side. Church, hear me this morning. God didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus isn't affiliated with either political party. Jesus is God. And he is the only one worthy of our worship. And so I'm out on political Christianity. I'm out on celebrity Christianity where it matters how many followers you have more than how good of a follower you've been. And so you watch young Christians and Christian leaders do, do all of these things to try to gain more influence, to increase their platform, to have more followers rather than deepening their fellowship, rather than deepening their intimacy with Jesus rather than strengthening their character and their integrity. I'm out on celebrity Christianity. I'm out on a, on a casual Christianity, a Christianity that follows Jesus when it's convenient, but as soon as things get hard, it's not, I'm good. I'm not sure that I can trust him anymore. I'm not sure that God is good because things aren't going my way. And so when things are easy, when everything's happening the way that we want, it's easy to follow Jesus. But a casual Christianity runs away as soon as things get difficult, and I'm out on that. I'm out on this what's-in-it-for-me Christianity, you know, where we treat God like a, like a genie and a lamp, and we rub the lamp whenever we need something and expect him to pop out and give us our desires and then run away and leave us until we need something else. I'm just out on a Christianity that asks the question, hey, what can God do for me, rather than, than asking ourselves, hey, how can we live our life in a way that honors God? I'm out on a Christianity that beats other people down, that takes this holy scripture and uses it as, as a, a tool or a weapon against people, people that we should love, people who are made in the image of God. I'm out on a shallow Christianity, a Christianity that settles for services like this. You show up on a Sunday and you sing the right songs and you raise your hands and you wear the right outfit and you drop your kids off in the right ministries, but then you go home and six days a week you live like you've always lived. No, y'all, I'm out. I'm out on a Christianity that looks like the rest of the world because the reality is for the Jesus followers in this room, we have been called to something greater. And so if I'm going to leave something in, in 2020... It's going to be the parts of me that have bought into those versions of Christianity. It's going to be the parts of me that, that have gotten sucked into culture and have taken my eyes off of Jesus. If I'm going to leave anything in 2020, it's going to be the Christianity that looks like the rest of the world when you and I have been called to something greater. And as I was thinking about this idea, I couldn't help but think about the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.20. As he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, this is actually one of Paul's only letters that doesn't have a rebuke or a criticism or something that needs to get better. Uh, they actually call Philippians the, the happy book. It, it's Paul encouraging the church in Philippi. And, and in Philippians 3.20, he, he says this to them. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And for the last five or six months or so, I just keep thinking about that phrase. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. What does it mean? What does it look like to be a citizen of heaven? About a year ago, I went to speak in an event in Alabama. And as I was driving to the event, I stopped at a Waffle House, like right when I crossed the Georgia-Alabama line. 
And I stopped to grab something to eat. I was really hungry. And so I walk in by myself and I sit in the booth in the corner. I order my all-star breakfast because it's the only thing you order when you go to Waffle House, you know. Got my hash browns, smothered, covered, scattered, amazing. I sit down and I, I eat my breakfast and the server comes and she drops off my check and I get up and I walk up to the register and ask her how she's doing, how her day's going. And I pay and I leave like a decent tip, you know, more than what you would typically leave at Waffle House. And when I'm done, she looks at me and she goes, she goes, hey, can I just ask you a question? I was like, yeah, sure. She goes, you're not from around here, are you? I was like, no, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. I'm actually a pastor. I'm on the way to speak at, at an event about an hour away. I go, but why do you ask that? And she goes, well, you don't really act like you're from here. And she goes, the way you talk, like, you definitely do not talk like you're from here. Like, you have an accent. And I wanted to look at her and go, no, 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 no. You have an accent, ma'am. It's not me. It's you. She goes, no, you, you don't act like it. You don't talk like it. And you definitely don't dress like you're from here. Like, like just to be completely honest, it's kind of obvious that you're not from here. It's kind of obvious that you don't belong here. It's kind of obvious that you're different than the rest of us. And, and I got in my car and I thought, how often is it that people say that about us Christians? How often is it that, that people look at the way that we live and the way that we talk and the things that we post and the way that we treat each other and the way that we love and, and the way that we dress and the things that we watch and the, the things that we say? Like, how often is it that people look at our lives and they go, oh, you're not from here? I can tell because you don't act like us. You don't talk like us. You don't look like us. There's something different about you. How much time do we spend living like citizens of the United States of America? We've been called to live like citizens of heaven. What I want to do for the rest of our time is, as I've spent a lot of time talking about the things that I'm out on, what I want to do is, is talk about some things that I'm in on, some things that I hope to bring in to 2021. And this list of things that I want to bring into 2021, I believe, are, are really the list of what it looks like to live as a citizen of heaven, to live as a Jesus follower in a world that isn't following Jesus. We're going to take a look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Uh, and this, this section of scripture in, in my Bible is actually titled, Living Godly Lives in a Pagan Society. I think it's so appropriate for our context. And what Peter is, is writing, or who Peter is writing to in this context is actually a group of Christians, Jewish believers, who are scattered about Asia Minor. They're living in a context that is not their home. They're living in a society that does not hold the same values and belief as them. And he writes this letter to them to encourage them, to challenge them, to convict them, but ultimately to remind them of where their citizenship lies to remind them how to live life as a Jesus follower, how to live life in a godly way, how to live life in a way that honors God, even in a culture and a context that doesn't. I want to read to you what he says in verses 11 through 17, because I believe it'll be helpful for us as we navigate the world that we're living in today and as we prepare to enter in a new year. I'm going to read to you from the message version. I love the language in this translation. It says this. It says, friends... This is not your home. I love that. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudice. 
Then they'll be won over to God's side, and they will be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries to keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of fools who think you're a danger to their society. Exercise your freedom by living godly, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. Peter writes to this group of Jewish believers who are scattered, living in a context and a culture and countries that don't hold the same beliefs as them. And he writes this very clear instruction with really seven points, seven points that I want to cover pretty quickly. The first thing he says is this. He says, hey, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Friends, this is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. I love that. It's actually not too different than than the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans where he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will for you and for me. And so Paul and Peter are saying the exact same thing. They're going, hey, don't get comfortable with culture. Don't give in to the way that everyone else is doing things. Don't behave the way that the people around you behave. Don't post like they post or dress like they dress or think like they think or drink like they drink or act like they act. He's going, no, 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 no. Don't give in to culture because you have to remember, Christians, this is not your home. Your citizenship is somewhere else. You don't belong here. But the reality is you're here right now. So what do you do in that tension? I think what Peter is wanting to remind these followers of Jesus of is simply this, that they have to be careful what's influencing them because what they allow in will eventually come out of them. And so church, I just want to say to you, what you allow in, what's influencing you, what you watch, what you listen to, the people you hang out with, the the things that you read, the places that you go, all of those things are influencing you and what you let in will eventually come out. And so as we go into a new year, as we step into 2021, I want to say to you church, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable with culture. Don't buy into the things that everyone else has bought into because you have been called to something greater. You are a citizen of heaven, and this is not your home. I've asked myself this question a lot this year. It's a question that I've asked a lot of friends. It's been a challenging question and a convicting question, and so I'll ask it to you this morning. The question is simply this. If you watch the news more than you read your scriptures, then who is really shaping your worldview? Is it Don Lemon or is it Jesus? Is it Tucker Carlson or is it Jesus? If you watch the news more than you read this book, then who is really shaping your world view? For the students in the room, young adults in this room, if you spend more time on social media than you spend in this book, then who's really shaping your world view? Is it the celebrity that you follow or is it Jesus? Middle school students, if you spend more time on TikTok than you do reading this book, then who is really shaping your world view? Peter would say, don't get comfortable. Don't get cozy. This is not 
your home. It's the first idea. Second idea is this, is don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. I love the way that the message translates this. It says this, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. It's very similar to what Jesus said, right? Like, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it to gain everything that you could imagine? To have the house, the car, the clothes, the jewelry, and lose the thing that lasts forever. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? But I love the way that Peter phrases this where he says, hey, don't indulge your ego. Because you want to know how you lose your soul? It's when you indulge your ego. It's when you focus on you. It's when you think the world revolves around you. When everything that happens in this earth is about you, it's the way that you lose your soul because you spend your time focused on you rather than what's on God. And so the question that I would ask you is simply this. Are what are the things that you're doing in your world right now that are indulging your soul or indulging your ego? What are the things that you're doing right now that are indulging your ego? Who are the relationships that you have that just tell you yes and don't challenge you? Where are the places that you go to find affirmation or identity when you should be going to God? I can tell you for me, what I identified in myself this year is that social media is that for me. Like that's the place that I go to indulge my ego. And, and I realized earlier this year that every time I'd get a like, every time I'd get a comment, that it would do something in my spirit that it would satisfy this part of me that was looking for affection and attention and love. And I realized that I was finding it in the wrong place. And so what my wife and I decided to do is, is implement a new rhythm into our lives. Uh, I actually learned it from my friend Mike Kelsey, who's a pastor in Washington, D.C. And, and the rhythm's really simple. It's one day, one week, one month. One day, one week, one month off of social media. So one day a week, we take off. One week a month, for us, it's next week, we take off of social media. And one month a year, we take an entire month to disconnect. Why? Because we don't want to find our value in something that can't give us worth and can't give us meaning. We don't want to indulge our ego. And so maybe that principle, maybe that idea, maybe that rhythm works for you for something else. Maybe it's not social media, maybe it's food. Maybe it's not social media, maybe it's a relationship. I'm not sure what it is for you, but identifying, hey, where am I indulging my ego at the expense of my soul? Don't think too highly of yourself. Or as Kendrick Lamar would say, be humble, sit down. The next idea is this, is to live an attractive life. To live an attractive life, to live a life that begs the question, why? Think back to that moment at that Waffle House where this young lady working at the, the Waffle House, the server, looks at me and she goes, you're not from here, are you? And while that question led to a great conversation, the, the question that would have meant more to me, the question that would have been more meaningful to me, the question that would have really like stirred my heart up is if she would have looked at me and said, are you a Christian? Because there's just something different about you. And, and I don't know, like you're just too kind. You just went way too far out of your way. Or you seem too interested in actually knowing me as a person. You must be a Jesus follower. See, friends, that's the goal. The goal is to live life in such a way that your neighbors go, I don't know, there's something different about them. They must be a Christian. That your coworkers go, ah, 
They could have gotten the bonus for themselves, but they went out of their way to help me. They must be one of those Jesus followers. That your kids would go, man, something's changed in mom. Something's changed in dad. He must be following Jesus. We live our life in an attractive way. And the reason that Peter says that we should do this is he says, because then you will win them over and they will be with you in the celebration when God comes. You see, what's at stake in living your life in a way that truly reflects the life and the person of Jesus isn't just your own character and integrity. It's the salvation, it's the hope, and it's the joy of watching the people around you come to know Jesus. Live in an attractive way. The next idea is this, is to respect the authorities. To respect the authorities. Now, if we could be honest, in this year, regardless of what political party you align with, this is a hard one. Because it's easy to disrespect the authorities right now. It's easy to post the, the Facebook posts about that candidate or that, that president that you didn't like. It's easy to, to tweet the, twi- the thing or, or say the thing on Instagram or be sitting around with a group of friends and make the joke about that person that isn't respectful, that isn't honoring, that isn't caring. But Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says we need to respect the authorities. Here's the deal. You don't have to like the authority. But as a Christian, we do have to respect them. And what Peter says is when we do this, we make the master proud. That there's a direct correlation between God and authority. And when we honor authority, Peter would go as far as to say, when you honor authority, it's as if you're honoring God. Because God doesn't make mistakes. Because God is sovereign over all. And so somehow this person in this position for this time is in part of the plan that God has for the world. And so when we disrespect authority, it's as if we're looking at God saying, I don't trust you. But when we honor the authority, when we respect the authority, it's as if we're looking to God going, I'm not sure how all this is going to work together but I trust that you work all things together for our good. Respect the authority. Next thing that Peter says is this, is to treat everyone with dignity. And we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but I'll just simply say this. The reason why we should treat everyone with dignity is because everyone is worthy of dignity. You know why? Because everyone was made in the image of God. We all carry what Christians call the Imago Dei. It means that we are God's likeness. It means that God created us in his image, but not only did God create us in his image, God created us in his image with a specific and unique purpose, that each and every one of us were formed in our mother's womb by God, that he knows the hair on every single one of our heads, that each of us are fearfully and wonderfully made, that each of us are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do, that each of us are children of the most high God, that each of us are chosen, that each of us are loved, and that each of us were, were, that each of us, uh, were died for by Jesus on the cross. God loves you, God loves me, and God loves them.
And so if God sees them with inherent value, if God sees them with worth, if God sees them as his child, then who are we to not treat everyone with dignity? Next idea is this. He says, choose community. And he says this by, by love the family. Love the family of believers. Choose community. And there's something about our culture, there's something about our world that, that kind of makes us want to be lone rangers. That kind of makes us believe that we can do everything on our own. And if we're honest, 2020 has exasperated that idea. Social distancing has turned into social isolation. It's caused us to lock ourselves in our homes. It's caused us to believe that, that we just have to focus on us and our needs and our family's needs. And that's the only way that we're going to make it through. But come on, if you've been alive for long enough, you know that you can't do it on your own. If you have kids, you know the expression, it takes a what? Village, right? That none of us can do this thing called life on our own. That's part of the beauty of the way that the church was designed. We need each other. We are incapable of doing this thing called life on our own. I often say this, that second to Jesus, the best thing that God has given us is us. We need each other. We need to spur each other on. We need to continue each other, to call each other to do good works. We need to continue to, to challenge each other and hold each other accountable. We need each other. And so in this season, if you've chosen isolation, if you've chosen to do it on your own in 2020, my challenge to you would be in 2021 to bring community into that year with you, to get back engaged with a small group, to get back in the group that you used to be in or to find a way to get in a new one, to reach out to some family that you haven't talked to in a while, to choose community, to choose to surround yourself with some people who are going to point you to Jesus and who are gonna remind you who you are. You cannot do this next year alone. Choose community. Then the last idea that Peter leaves us with about what does it look like to live as a citizen of heaven? What does it look like to live a godly life in a pagan world, in a broken world, in a messed up society? He says this. He says, hey, honor God above everything. And I love this because this is kind of a catch-all. He's going, hey, if you get this right, everything else will fall into place. Honor God above everything. Choose God first. Make him the priority in your life. Make him the priority in your world. He is not a slice of the pie. He is the pie. And when you choose to honor God above everything, when you choose to prioritize your relationship with him, when you choose to grow in deeper intimacy with him, when you choose to open up this book and learn more of his character more of who he is, more of his faithfulness, his grace, his love, his compassion, the things that breaks his heart. When you choose to know him more, when you honor God above everything else, everything changes. Because when you lean into him, he leans into you, and you interact with the people around you in a completely different way. How do you live as a citizen of heaven? You lean on the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you allow him to order your steps. You allow him to dictate the words that you say. You allow him to transform you from the inside out. You honor God above everything. And in doing so, you live like you're not from here. So 2021. 2021 has the potential to be a great year. 
But 2021 also has the potential to be an equally challenging year as 2020. And for a lot of us, we have the excuse of 2020 kind of caught us off guard. None of us saw a pandemic coming. And so we just responded based on the things that happened. But here's the good news for you and me in 2021. The pandemic isn't going to catch you off guard. It's already here. And while there may be some other things that come your way that you don't see coming, you still have a decision to make. You still have a choice to make. You still have a part to play in the process. You can decide. Are we going to go back to the way that things have been? Are we going to bring old habits from 2020 into 2021? Are we going to bring old behaviors and old beliefs with us into a new year? Are we going to decide, you know what, I'm out. I'm out on racism. I'm out on sexism. I'm out on politics. I'm out on drama. I'm out on hate. I'm out on living a Christian life that looks like the rest of the world when we've been called to something better. Or are we going to decide, no, I'm in on being a citizen of heaven. I'm in on not getting too comfortable in this culture. I'm in on not thinking too highly of myself. I'm in on living an attractive life. I'm in on respecting the authorities. I'm in on treating everyone with dignity. I'm in on choosing community. And I'm in on honoring God above all Else And y'all, I can't tell you what it'll change in your life personally, but here's what I know, is that if a group of Christians decided to live that way, our country, our world, our neighborhoods, our schools, our families, our society will look far different. It'll look much more like Jesus. I'm out on living like the rest of the world. I refuse to get comfortable here, but I'm in on living like a citizen of heaven because church, we've been called to something more and we get to act like it in this next year. I challenge you this week, sit down with your family, sit down with your spouse, get out a journal and make an in and an out list. Let's choose to be who Jesus has called us to be in the years to come. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you've given us clear instruction on what it means to be a follower of you, even in these crazy days. Thank you that while some of what we heard is challenging and convicting, that it'll allow us to become more like you. And I pray not only for them, but also for me, that you would help us to hold true to these words, that you would help us to live like citizens of heaven in the years to come. We love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, we love you so much. Thanks for being here with us and we will see you back here next week as we start a new year together.